Hello and welcome to Loosely Based, the podcast where we investigate based on true story movies and talk about them as friends. I'm Ben Castleman. I'm Dana Cooperberg. I'm Corey Borgman. Now let's talk that talk. With us in the studio, we have marketing extraordinaire, friend, lover, and a big fan of Andy Kaufman, Dean Mizell. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Glad that marketing extraordinaire is <laughs> my, the I first thing it. that defines me. Digital marketing. No. Digital marketing. Dean, please introduce yourself and then also let us know who would play you in a movie and who would play your love interest. So... My name is Dean, as Ben was <laughs> saying. Um, You're a marketer extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> I work in marketing, and <laughs> I, I am in my early 20s, and I just moved to New York City. More than enough. Yeah. <laughs> if I could have anyone who played in a movie, this is so funny because I listened to your first episode, and I tried to think about it myself, and mm. then I got distracted and forgot. What's well, now uh-uh. or never, baby? <laughs> you got to know, dude. If I had anyone to play me in a movie, it would be the actor who plays Kevin G from Mean Girls. Mm. That is the... Oh, Rajni, Raji... I don't know his name. Continue. That was uh, the celebrity doppelganger I got most mm. um, okay. back in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. And your love interest? And my love interest um, would be the actress who plays Janice Ian on Mean mm. Girls. <laughs> well... He's a very handsome man, Dean. So that's great. I haven't seen him but since 2004. So he hasn't been in anything I, since. I don't think mean he's girls. been in anything, but I think he like filled out a little bit because he was like oh, a little gangly yeah. athlete dude. And um, okay, cool. So today we have kind of a different type of episode. We are talking about the movie Man on the Moon. Hello, I am Andy. I want to be. The biggest star in the world. Your act is like amateur hour. And I'm not like everybody else. I really like what you did out there. I'm not a comedian. I don't want to go for cheap laughs. You shark! What's wrong with this guy? They detest you. That means we're a success. 40 million people are watching you every week. Party time for latka. Some of us at Saturday Night Live think Andy Kaufman's a comic genius. Thank you very much. You just don't respect anything. And we are supplementing it with the Netflix documentary, Jim and Andy. We will also be supplementing it by playing some movie clips, some real-life Andy Kaufman clips, and some interviews from Jim Carrey, Danny DeVito, and Bob Zamuda. I'm the historian for today. I did a bunch of research on the man Andy Kaufman. I am... The staff psychologist, meaning from a place of non-expertise, um, almost a minor in in college uh, and internet research, I will be... Definitely more than one class. <laughs> <laughs> Seven. Um, yeah, I was one class away from a, a minor. Oh, I didn't want to take research methods. It's very boring at <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway... Um, and I, I, I did a little research onto some of the psychological aspects of both of the movies. Incredible. Uh, today I am the big dumbo. Did no research, just watch the squat, movies. baby. Hell really yeah. Cool. And I am the behind the scenes guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, in addition to watching a whole documentary on the making of the movie Man on the Moon... Besides I, Jim and Andy? No, it was Jim oh. and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he really yeah. did it. <laughs> um, I read some stuff online. Cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. That's what it is literally all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys. What surprised you? What do you think could not be true? What do you want fact-checked? Okay. I know, like, I knew going into this, Andy Kaufman was, like, a persona. And it's just, like, crazy to me because, like, Everything is in his life is a bit like he's not a real human. And it's just like was so frustrating to watch because it's like, oh, how like what is when is it ever his true self? And does like he like 
hate that as well. And it just like, it was like an existential crisis just watching like, absolutely. That was the main crux in my research was like all of the interviews you have to be like, I don't know if this is a bit like all the quotes about other people. Like they're not sure if like he is doing something, he's like out of character or if he's ever out of character. And so like, you have to take all of the interviews with a grain of salt. And there were like very few interviews that he gave that you can even like count as as like research and what he really felt. Mm, that's crazy. Um, but if I have to say a specific scene, it's the end when he has cancer, supposedly goes to the Philippines. And this person with ease rips his <laughs> stomach open and blood just burns out. And then, I don't know, like, that was the most disgusting thing I've ever watched, and it confuses to me to so many limits. So, him, his girlfriend Lynn, and Bob Zamuda, they went to the Philippines because they were just, like, trying every, like, alternative medicine practice. Did he do any non-alternative medicine? I don't think he stressed chemo very much, and they definitely didn't go to it at first. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's like an ever, ever thing. They did go to the Philippines for six weeks because they heard about this miracle worker. um, And they were looking all over to find them. And then they found them. And that pretty much happened. Like the digging into the skin, like barehanded. Um, Dirty. Gross. And what did they put in? Like a maggot? So... What happened, what I think was being portrayed in the movie, they are palming like a tumor type thing, this merit because it's a fake worker. And Bob Zamuda used to be a magician. In you er- can tell just by looking at him. Yeah, he looks like a magician. You got a magician look. Does he look like Paul Giamatti? Look. He's also in the documentary yeah, now that I in, remember. He's in the so movie and he. the documentary. He Who like is he makes in the movie? He plays. Someone who worked on the set. Wow. Oh, okay. That's a deep cut. It was like a I very brief cameo. I think it was someone cameo. who worked on the set of Fridays. Okay. Which is, was Fridays a real show? And like that yes. was a real cast, Norm and Mary Lynn. I think we should address the Philippines and then we'll jump yes. around. Yeah, um, so he's like palming like a fake tumor so that it looks like he's like ripping a tumor out of the body. Oh, but it's... But Bob Zamuda like was like, oh, I, I see that because I Okay, used I to... saw that too. Oh, so and he... I couldn't tell if that was like lazy Okay, or... so he didn't cut into the body. He just like... No, he split. did cut into the body. He just didn't pull... He pretends he didn't to be actually... pulling out a tumor when really it was just like a little tumor. Like a sleight of hand. Little... I understand that. But, so the blood was from the body. Yes. But the thing he pulled out was not the cancer. No, no, I got it. So in the movie, it's unclear who sees this palming. But in real life, I believe Bob Zamuda saw it and did not tell Jim because Mm. it was just... Andy. I mean, Andy. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Wow. Who's who though? Back to the point of everything being a bit with Andy. I think the main thing I was wondering as I watched the scene is like, does Andy actually believe that this is going to help him or to him? Is this just kind of like a funny thing to do is to like go all the way to the Philippines and like see this guy. My vote is he was into like uh, meditation and like holistic yeah. medicine. Yeah, that so was my that I say he would believe this yeah. is, he wasn't doing but it for also, the like, joke. Did he have cancer? So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> did he? Is he alive? I know that's a whole another thing. Um, See, just makes me tired. Layers. <laughs> These two Layers. guys are very exhausting. Oh my god, I watched both movies yesterday, so that was exhausting. Um, okay, here's one thing that I was thinking. The girlfriend Lynn, did they meet while she was on the set and volunteered to be a wrestler lady? Was she a plant if that did happen? What is happening third? They met on the set of a movie, so <gasps> lie, she's an lie, actress. Lie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was one lie. of probably the two like straight up lies that I can think of right now. Um, but he did try to pick up women through his wrestling. If there is a woman here tonight who can come up here and prove me wrong, I will shut my mouth and pay her five hundred dollars. <laughs> Which brings us to another point. Is he an asshole? Some, 
<laughs> I, I knew this would be brought up. That exact question. <laughs> is he an asshole or? Yes. To answer the question. He is an yeah, asshole. Yeah. I feel like you're an asshole if you're an asshole. I mean, what, I think in what I capacity? I don't think he's an Go asshole. Go on. Go on. <gasps> and Hot your reasons are? Hot Andy take. Kaufman is not an asshole. Don't say it's just for the art. It's just for the art. Oh. <laughs> no, I think he that um, <laughs> to me, like, what's the most asshole thing that Andy Kaufman did? It's just the like the constant like, OK, Tony Clifton. Actually, that is the most asshole thing he does mm-hmm. in like making it a character. Like, I understand. Yes, there might be some psych thing going with that. You'll never know. Okay. You might. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Tony Clifton, I think, is the most asshole thing because it's a character where he allows himself to be an asshole, but then separates them into like an actual another human being. But then it's all for the joke. But then people get hurt. Okay. So I think this is really complicated because it also invites us to question what is an asshole? (laughs) To me, an asshole (laughs) is somebody who does things pretty much intention either intentionally to piss people off or like doesn't really give a fuck when he pisses people like off. a troll it, like doesn't really matter why but like you can be an asshole as part of your art but like he was definitely an asshole i think i think okay i have a couple things here number yeah. one i think that jim carrey actually portrayed him in a less likable way than I, a lot I kind of think that's probably right too then like a lot of people remember him um, one quote that I did find was Sam Simon, who was one of the showrunners for Taxi. Is that the Simpsons guy? <laughs> yes, he created the oh. Simpsons. Very because good. Because his name Behind was Sam scenes, Simon? Scenes. No, Matt Groening made the Simpsons. He's one of the first uh, like names that you see besides Matt Groening right after the episode. But if you mix up the letters in Sam Simon, it's Matt Groening. So that's how you know. <laughs> <laughs> And it's also spells Simpsons. And it spells Simpsons. <laughs> okay, Andy Kaufman. Sure. Sam Simon <laughs> was one of the showrunners of Taxi. And he said that Jim Carrey like played him very um, unlikable and that when he was doing the Laka character or this other character called Vic Ferrari... Um, on Taxi, just like not the Tony Clifton character. He was like a real pleasure to work with. And like a lot of them were friends. Like obviously mm-hmm. Danny DeVito is a big friend of his. Carol Kane, Judd, uh, Judd Hirsch. Eh. But Carol Kane and Danny DeVito seemed to like him. Um, Even the Jerry Lawler was like, he was yeah. my friend. Why are you being such an asshole? Yeah, <laughs> right. totally. Which is why maybe Jim Carrey is. A yeah, that I think that that's. I think that Jim Carrey is the real I'll asshole. Find, I'll agree to that. Then deal. <laughs> I mean, he was a little bit of an asshole. Oh, for sure. but he definitely did. He have like a normal side. Like it's shown a little in the movie where he would break character. But did he have like a side where it's like, OK, he's being genuine. Yeah, I think. Or with, what's to say is who is real? Yeah, I think with like George and We're Lynn. Back there. <laughs> I think with like George and Lynn and Bob and like his friends, he had a normal side. But I, I still think it's like, like Carol Kane says she like n- thought he was never out of character. There's the the Andy you think you know. Then there are all the characters, and he he's so committed to each of those characters. Is that the one? Is that the guy? Is that the real Andy? And is that other guy that you think is the real Andy a character he's playing? I mean, it's hard to say what is a normal side and what is yeah, like his nice right. character. I feel like he had a normal side and that he could have normal conversations like a normal human being, but yeah. he's a weird dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. He doesn't like understand a lot of like human interactions and emotions, I think, in in the way that we do. Sorry, I'm no, stepping can, on Dana's no, toes. No, we can. I w- yeah, we can talk um, about some of that stuff, though. In my opinion, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I found really interesting is he would tell Lawler or he would tell Bob, like, how come you can play a villain in a movie or in wrestling and yeah. everyone's fine with it, and you can't play a villain like in a comedy club and like everyone labels you an asshole then. So that's like how he thought about that mm-hmm. yeah um there's a lot of like of the like kind of psychological stuff and one thing that i'll, I'll kind of kick that stuff off with 
is that like he didn't I, I am especially reluctant to like offer any diagnoses for up for anyone especially if they haven't been given to them so mm-hmm. like that's kind of my first take on his psychology is that like he really didn't have any like formal diagnoses like his parents thought he had like anxiety as a kid and they like sent him to a therapist for many years and then he found like transcendental meditation and stopped um started seeing a therapist when he was four years old just a baby (laughs) (laughs) couldn't we all have benefited from that totally (laughs) um so yeah like he saw a therapist when he was a kid and like i've seen asperger's taught out i saw uh, multiple, multiple personality disorder i saw bipolar like some of the like if you don't know what any of those things mean it's like yeah, pretty easy to like words. toss those diagnoses out but i mean i don't know i i and knowing a fair amount of all those disorders like it's very possible it's also possible that he was just like so on another level with where his head was at like in terms of just like what he gave a fuck about and what he didn't give a fuck about that like he didn't really care about social norms not in a way that he didn't understand them but he was just like i'm above that and better than that just and my art all about is breaking every right rule. right um so is there a lot of stuff online trying to kind of like diagnose him there's a lot of there's a lot of like people being like, is he crazy? (laughs) 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 What's up with that Andy Kaufman guy? He seems crazy. Like so many like questions on like answers.com being like, was he (laughs) insane or a genius? And all the answers are like, well, it's possible to be both. (laughs) 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 So it's, I mean like, I think it's one of those things where like you see somebody like this and it begs a lot of questions. But for me, especially as somebody who's really interested in mental health and things like that. Mm -hmm. It also strikes me that like, because a diagnosed mental illness was never really part of his story. It at least meant to me that it wasn't necessarily an answer that he was seeking out. Yeah. And to me, like, it's funny we all are like desperate for assigning labels to people who seem different but like if they're not labeling themselves then like you don't get to label them either basically Mm -hmm. um and i thought that that was like pretty cool and i like you know like somebody could be literally batshit insane and if, if they you know like living on a different planet with all these hallucinations whatever but if they're making it work for them like then who's to say they're crazy and i'm not you know so, so he's bipolar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think that's a really good point. Um, and also, like, as we were saying, like, it, it was hard to know the real him or, like, figure out who the real him was. So, like, how do we right. know, like, what he could be? Right. You can, you honestly can't know. I got, like, two questions, two things that surprised me, I guess. Fire him up. Um, first one, like, is, like, he was very much like an alt comedian or whatever. And it surprised me that like he had so much of like an audience in like older, like middle-aged white male and female, like, like that people were like interested. I was like, this, how's this funny to you? Cause like, that's, that doesn't make sense. So was that real? Was he just like beloved? I think his main audience was like college kids. Yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah, um, but it seemed like they still showed. Like there was that like scene the at, SNL at Arizona stuff. State. Yeah, uh, where all those people showed up because they loved Andy Kaufman because he was like the new guy who was doing something totally original. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good point about like older people that like I don't know many older people who are into like his like the people who came after Andy Kaufman who like may have like looked up to him as like a inspiration. Like, uh, no one above the age of 40 is really watching, like, Eric Andre. Yeah. Or, like, mm-hmm. Tim and Eric. Or, like, similar stuff to that. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Other thing, um, did Tony Clifton make an appearance on Taxi, or was he fired before his episodes? I just didn't know. Like, is there a, a Taxi episodes with Tony Clifton in it? And is he playing That's himself, or is he playing a different character? It's just Tony Clifton acting. Which wouldn't be good acting, but still. <laughs> um, he was playing Danny DeVito's character's brother. I don't think um, he ever made the show, but he came for. There were like, at there was like at least one or two rehearsals 
Or he showed up. Where he didn't get fired, and then he did get fired, but he, yeah. Got it. George, this is going to kill Tony. He's waited for this his whole life. Well, Andy, there'll be other shots. Yeah, we have to do this. He's, he's just a terrible actor. Okay, but please let him down gently. Trust us. Fuck you! I'm not going! One fun fact about Tony Clifton and mental health. <laughs> Tony Clifton, the man. Um, no, it's just that. So Zamuda worked with this guy, Norman Wexler, who did have bipolar disorder. And like, apparently, a lot of the stories that Zamuda told Andy about this guy, Norman Wexler, who he used to work with and would do kind of eccentric things, like he once was arrested for threatening to assassinate Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these stories that Zmuda told Andy about this guy became the basis for Tony Clifton, the character. Mm. So found that out. <laughs> interesting. Cool, cool, cool. Something I found out that I found really interesting was that it, the movie made it seem like he, they never like talked about how Andy played Tony Clifton or how Andy was Tony or how Tony Clifton was Andy. Um, in real life, there were like reporters that walked into the dressing room, like p- people knew. And then he had one interaction with um, John Belushi on SNL, wh- mm-hmm. where John Belushi was like, "Oh, I just saw Tony Clifton. Like it was really great." And he was like, "Oh, I stopped playing Tony Clifton. Like I mm. used to imitate Tony Clifton, but he's actually a real person." Mm. So the story kind of changed like it like he did at the beginning admit that it was him and then he started telling people that he was like he used to be imitating tony clifton and now tony clifton was like too mad at him for him to keep doing that. but also then it's like what the like like he's a liar Right? No, that's like, where you get frustrated. You're yeah, like, what? No, but I'm this like, is real life. Do yeah, I exist? What is the world? Yeah. So there is no truth to the, to the rumor that uh, you're actually Andy Cow. There's no truth to that whatsoever. That's total f- fabrication on your part. <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I mean, a lot of other people have said that. I don't know. Many people are saying that. Many people say a lot of things. Wow. That sounds like such an exhausting way to live. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Definitely an exhausting. As a gigantic bit. And is that why he died early? Or not? Da-da-da. I have a question about Tony Clifton for everyone. Okay. Go for it. Does anyone think that on any level, the character of Tony Clifton is funny? No. He doesn't work for me. <laughs> I would not enjoy a Tony Clifton performance at all. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a tiny bit of comedy in him. First of all, the way that he sings is pretty funny. But I feel like the comedy comes from, like, the separation. Like, if you were in the room, like, if you didn't realize it was a bit, then it's not funny. But when you're watching it knowing, oh, this is him playing a character, he's going to be mean. Okay, that's funny because they don't know it's, like, a prank. Like, the whole idea is, are pranks funny? That's what it gets down to. Also, like, for me, it's not funny, but it is a really interesting, like, performance art concept. So, like, when you think about things like more in the context of performance art, it's really, like, cool and intense and amazing. But then, like, I'm certainly not going to laugh. People being assholes to me sometimes in that way is fun. <gasps> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get, like, that's, it's still true. Like, I was thinking while I was watching this movie, I'd be like, okay, who's the modern day Andy Kaufman? And I was trying to list people. And what is. I had was, like, Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, but when you just said Eric Nathan Andre, Fielder. For you. Nathan I was Fielder. Nathan for you. My I think when you said Eric Andre, favorite. I think that's also because Eric Andre is a person who, like, if, even like when he does interviews on other things, like nothing's real. Eric Andre is also a complete asshole to people on the street. Yeah, he's like uh, a bigger asshole than Andy Kaufman, I think. But yeah, so I think I think those three, I guess, Sasha Baron Cohen, Nathan Fielder, and Eric Andre. But I think Sasha has the most. Like has a genuine side, like has played yeah. other roles where you're like, okay, Nathan, Nathan Fielder. Fielder, like to me, I, I thought about it the whole time. It, I understand that many people like the show Nathan for you. <laughs> I and many people who know me know that it is not my cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like it. Um, 
but I don't know. It's and the one thing that I kind of was able to tie in with like at least those three guys, and I think also Eric Andre, though I don't know his work that much, and this is also another psychology thing, so peppering it in, is um, this idea, there's like a personality trait, one of like the big five personality traits called agreeableness, which is basically like the tendency of people to like follow social norms and like um, to follow social norms, to like do pro-social behavior, so like things you might not necessarily want to do to support other people, and I think that all of these people are extremely low in agreeableness. They don't do things because they see that another, you know, like Mm -hmm. they, and it's not to say that, and also it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing. Like being agreeable is good for like making friends. Being a non-agreeable person is really good for like confrontation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A lot of like leaders and like CEOs are, have like not a lot of agreeableness. Mm Mm-hmm. And then also I've read the Malcolm Gladwell book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that I, I listened to a, po- a Malcolm Gladwell podcast about agreeableness recently. And it was about how, like, entrepreneurs are m- the most non-agreeable. And that there's a reason that we're not starting that many companies is because we've gotten too agreeable. But yeah. I'm a very agreeable person. so I'm so agreeable. I know. But also, like, they're not only... Like, people like Andy Kaufman are not only very low in agreeableness, they take advantage of, uh, like, knowing that other people are very agreeable. And I oh, think my I God. Nathan Fielder. Oh, my God. It's does, so And sick. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Do that all the time. And so in that way, like, Andy Kaufman is, like, a little better than Nathan Fielder, I feel like, because he's not, like, preying on one person. He's preying on society as a whole, which is more of, like, a statement than, like, to me, preying on one person is, like, an insult and an embarrassment so like he is an asshole but he's trying to expose like the culture as opposed to like expose this one person for being a little bitch okay well you're the one that just called the, the people who get tricked uh, by I'm nathan fielder bitch. as little bitches <laughs> um i just have to so say because we've only had hate so far for nathan fielder um first of all i've watched dana watch nathan for you and it's <laughs> very fun <laughs> um it's a lot also, of like hands over eyes yes like straight up just not watching <laughs> um second of all i absolutely love that show that's like one of my favorite shows and i think he is so much like nicer and more agreeable of a person than andy kaufman i agree whoa number got, th- i'm team andy number three i don't see that much sasha baron cohen besides like being disagree disagreeable His and being an asshole because Tony Clifton would like, and everything that Andy did was just to get a reaction out of people and Sasha Baron Cohen is in my mind way more like commenting on people's like ideologies almost. I agree and I think with Sasha like Sasha like plays different characters and they're distinct characters it's not like him like he knows okay this yeah. is a while Andy Andy himself is a character, and that's why, like, when you brought back Andre, that I think is the most perfect. Like, who is the modern day Andy I, Kaufman? I agree. Because yeah. Eric Andre is a character of himself, and it's a consistent thing where, like, what is real? Totally. Dean has my yeah. vote for who is the modern day Andy Kaufman as Eric Andre. Damn. But also, like, you know, everyone who's been in the past, like, 20 years that's not your standard, like, get on stage and tell one-liners comedian mm-hmm. everyone who's made Alt like these comedian. um anti-humor videos like everyone like kyle mooney who like goes on the street um oh yeah yeah um also does that it's very modern though. like they they all trace back to him because wow. before andy kaufman it was like people on a stage like just you know like saying like take my wife please that's what they were talking about that was like why like maybe having someone like Tony Clifton was such a big deal is because mm-hmm. it was such like a crazy contrast from everything yeah. that came before. If you talk to any comedian that is, you know, in the cir- on the circuit today or, or doing, you know, uh, whether it's Jerry Seinfeld or, or, uh, or Belzer or, or Robin Williams or any, any of the, the major cats out there today, they all say the same thing that they learned from Andy, they admired him. He broke the he broke the mold. All right. 
time to discuss what I liked about the movie and then what that one aspect I liked about led to my bone to pick. Okay. <laughs> Here's co- what Corey liked about the movie. <laughs> I liked how it was like the actual people, like how some movies that are loosely based or whatever use real clips. Like with Cool Runnings, it was the actual car crash, your uh, bobsled crash you're watching. While this is like, they had all the footage, like obviously like all of his TV footage is there, but instead of using it, Jim recreated it all mm-hmm. with the real people. So like Taxi was Carol Kane and that, and then Lauren Michaels, uh, which leads to my favorite child movie Man, of Lauren Michaels sitting pretzel style in jeans, barefoot, and a black t-shirt watching television, because that is very much not his modern day persona. <laughs> Anyways, so I liked that, like where it was like, but then it, to my mind, I was like watching, I was like, that must be crazy because like you're like practicing deja vu. You're not just like helping to have it. Like you're literally trying to relive your life. And that is Corey's bone to pick? Or no, no. Comes, my bone to pick, my bone to pick is George Shapiro is a real person. Yes. Does he look like Danny DeVito? No, no one looks like Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> but Danny DeVito is not a make. Danny DeVito looks like Danny DeVito in this. But Danny DeVito also exists in this universe. Yes. On Taxi. So he couldn't be in any of those scenes because he's playing George Shapiro. While like Paul Giamatti didn't necessarily exist in this universe. So he can play Bobby Zamuda. And that bothered me so much that Danny DeVito existed in this. Danny DeVito interacted with Andy Kaufman all the time, but not as manager. And you you can't have people play their actual selves and then be like, Oh, doesn't like Andy Kaufman's like manager look like who he plays with in Taxi? And no one question it. And that's my bone to pick. That's his bone to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, the idea of the the Andy Kaufman universe. <laughs> Is it in the same universe? It's like the it all goes back to the Ocean's universe. Eleven, Ocean's Twelve uh, conundrum, sure. where it's like Julia Roberts plays a character, and then in the movie pretends to be Julia Roberts. Mm-mm. And thus, if she's pretending to be Julie Roberts, thus George Clooney exists. And why can't Danny Ocean look like George Clooney? What are we going to call this the, phenomenon? The Ocean's 12 conundrum. Okay. It has a name. <laughs> I love getting new categories and I think we just got four. Yeah. <laughs> um, Danny DeVito is like, and I didn't know this till research is like like loves Andy Kaufman. He is he Which I think was great for him to play like the manager because he did have such a close relationship with Andy. It just bothered me because I was like, okay, but you also could be a character within this movie, but that had to be taken out. Mm. He like loves telling stories about him. He I watched another documentary about um Andy Kaufman to prepare and second supplemental reading. <laughs> <laughs> and he um, was the narrator. Oh, cool, I cool, love cool. him. I love Danny DeVito. Okay, this is about Andy Kaufman. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I was just surprised. I mean, like, I I feel like Andy Kaufman's personality leads to, like, one or two close relationships mm-hmm. and his family. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for everyone, and it's a little bit about Jim and Andy. It's actually mostly about Jim and Andy. Yeah. Because do you think like all these people, I know that everyone, very clearly, everyone was like, it's very challenging to make a movie with you, sir. <laughs> like <laughs> you are, be- you're really doing a lot. But I'm wondering if there was also an element of like a couple people who were there, but like didn't really maybe want to like say it of being like, Andy didn't do that. You know, like as much as he was like doing his very best Andy Kaufman impression of somebody who like is a really good actor and like got really into it. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Jerry Lawler being like, but Andy Kaufman wasn't this mean to me all the time, you know? And, like, how much of there was that of just, like, you're actually doing too much. Like, you're doing more Andy Kaufman than Andy Kaufman in a way that's, like, not only challenging to this movie, but also, like, kind of annoying and maybe not true to the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, I think Lawler was the only one that stepped up. I mean, I, f- I feel like everyone in that documentary was, like, acting like you act around a sleepwalker. Like, yeah. you can't you can't say anything. They're all so fucking <laughs> Danny DeVito just sitting... Like, watching Danny DeVito be defeated was, like, such a odd, mm-hmm. s- odd thing to me. I'm used to watching him in these kooky-ass roles and watching him <laughs> be the one who's, like... 
Oh, boy. <laughs> I felt and, so. Yeah. And Milos Forman, the Oscar so winning director. The two time Oscar winning director <laughs> comes in and has to deal with that ridiculousness. I felt so bad for him. I know. And I'm wondering, like, I I know. I'm just like, okay, did was, was, it, was it all really necessary? Or how much of that is also just like pretension? I mean, I wasn't on that movie. I, I never showed up. I was never present on that film. You mean you, Jim Carrey? Nowhere to be found. I'm not Andy Kaufman. Andy's Andy Kaufman. Andy's coming back to do this movie. F*** me as an actor. Jim Carrey is bonkers, dude. I mean, like, <laughs> that whole Jim and Andy where he, like, then, like, gives his asides and talks about, like, life and shit. Like, it's yeah. all, yes, no, I, pretentious I mean, to a T. I know, but, like, like... I'm sure it was so like I just think it's weird to be like doing just be like I'm so incredible at pretending to be this person who you all loved dearly that you have to put up with me being the hugest asshole on this face of the earth for X amount of time while we're shooting and you can't even complain because I'm pretending to be your dead is friend. all method acting assholing. Um, not, I guess if you're playing like a really Jared nice person, Leto it is. <laughs> I was going to say, that's my one that I was oh. thinking. I don't think, I think I haven't heard any stories about like Daniel Day Lewis being a huge asshole. I know. But if you're like, ugh, Lincoln, we get it. Like just brush your, like turn on the TV. <laughs> Dude, I, I was listening to Phoebe Robinson's podcast and she was interviewing Tom Hanks and he was just like, well, I've gone very into my roles, but like, I'm not going to like go home and be like. Oh, I'm fucking Sully. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, like, dear wife. I think, <laughs> I think, it, ta- I think it, it takes like a certain very disagreeable person. Yeah. To like, but we have gotten incredible, incredible roles from performances. Yeah. From method acting. No, I agree. I think it's funny that you mentioned Tom Hanks because I was like watching this and I was like, like, that like the character very much looked like Jim Carrey. I was like, okay, that's Jim Carrey. But when he started speaking, I was like, oh, that's not Jim Carrey's voice. Like mm-hmm. it's even like the first scene, I was like, yeah. oh, this is a voiceover. Like this is so crazy. And then I thought like Tom Hanks has played many different people and like real people in many movies, but it's always Tom Hanks' voice. It also led to some insane moments. Um, oh yeah, with the I dad. think the most notable the of family. which um, with the family, like mm-hmm. one having an argument with his fake oh my actor God. dad that led a makeup I lady know. to start crying because yeah. it reminded her of her dad. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, is this real? Is he just, like, a really good actor? He's such a good actor that he's just, like, even behind the because scenes. Because they don't have the history. Like, what are they fighting about? I don't, I... If this came out... When Frustrating, I know. To, if this if this came out like the same year when they wanted it to come out, I would not have believed that it was real. What like do you mean? if Jim and Andy came out with Man on the Moon, was that like the original goal? Yeah. Okay, I didn't remember. Continue. I would have thought that that scene with the makeup woman was like staged, and like so many of those interactions. So do you believe it just because they hid the footage for so long? Because it's not like a marketing ploy is how you would see it. I feel like if it came out together, like, oh, like, lol, it was Andy the whole time, question mark. Everything's a bit. But then because it was so separated, it's like. If they, uh, like, if they staged it for 20, 18 years in the future and, like, fooled me, then, like, I'll give it to them. Yeah. But you just have, like, a different reality when you show up to work that's like your work every day is dealing with someone pretending to be Andy Kaufman at all times and so it leads to other moments like um him having a Jim Carrey having discussion with Andy Kaufman's like long lost daughter yeah um and talking to her for like hours Uh, yeah who literally never like knew Andy Kaufman as a man and was put up for adoption was Mm -hmm. born when he was like a teenager it's crazy and his, his his Dad and like um, brother and sister all had like interactions with him and were like felt like it was in some way real or were like surprised at how much it seemed like Andy. Okay, Andy was taken away from us in '84. It was as as if he were back with us for a while a year ago in the summer because of Carrie. Because of Jim Carrey. Well, he didn't come he- to the set. Jim, Andy came. Okay. The glam up. Who's got it? Who does it? 
Um, Start with Angie Kaufman. It seems like we've already in agreement. Jim Carrey's version is a not a downgrade. downgrade. <laughs> down, down up. Wait. Um, Bobby Zamuda as Paul Paul Giamatti as. That's a pretty. I, I'd say it's lateral. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lateral move. <laughs> it's not the same, but it is not neither it's neither up nor down. Yeah. What's the yeah? Sure. Um, Danny DeVito as. George Shapiro. I think Danny DeVito was, was that his name. I just want to make sure it was right. Yeah, that's okay. Right. He's a glow up in the way that because um, you love Danny DeVito. That he's just a. It's just I love him. <laughs> I can't imagine he's as entertaining as Danny DeVito, even in this role. But maybe he's like the funniest like '70s Jewish Hollywood <laughs> Asian ever. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, he true. looks very nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Final glam up. Danny DeVito as the character. Unfortunately, a downgrade because he gets cut because he has to play George Shapiro. Mm. This is once again my bone to pick. <laughs> His bone to pick. Um, okay, what about Lynn? No Lynn? I mean, it's Courtney like Love. everyone's playing themselves. I couldn't get out of Courtney Love. Like, I was fully. Which is fair because everyone's playing real people. Right. You're like, does Courtney Love exist in this universe? Yeah. Maybe not as much because she didn't directly interact, but. Okay, yeah. I guess the last one is like his parents. Because that scene in the beginning where the dad's like, you're talking to a wall. You'll never have an audience where it's like, he's four. Relax. Like, why are you being so intense? Downgrade in my mind. Unless that was his real father, then lateral. <laughs> it was It was an actor. His parents did want him to go out and like play with kids and mm-hmm. like, do sports and stuff. Fair enough. But they weren't like super disapproving. They They were like supportive. They were just like... This kid is literally talking to a wall yeah, and like that's thinks fair. he's in a TV show and watches so much TV. Like mm-hmm. he needs to get outside and like have friends and interact with people. And obviously, a lot of times they like didn't understand his choices because he's a wild man. <laughs> but I don't think they were like really negative parents. So he does. He did get a downgrade from the movie. <laughs> I just came up with my bone to pick. <gasps> Dana's bone to pick. <laughs> It was one line, and I'll say it for you right now. It struck me so deep that I... In which one? Man on the Moon? um, Yes, Man on the Moon. He says, I want to be a bad guy wrestler in the worst way. Who says that? Andy? Andy Andy. Kaufman says that verbatim, and then he becomes... To who? He says it to Bob... Oh, when they're like watching wrestling. Yeah, when they're watching wrestling, he says, I want to be a bad guy wrestler in the worst way. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) No one talks like that. It makes me uncomfortable. And it's a bad line. So that's my bone to pick. Definitely. Let's take that out of the movie if we get if we get a redo. <laughs> I don't want that in my movie. Yeah, it's like the worst way has got like this weird like sexual energy to it. I don't know. But that's how he saw wrestling though, partly. You can't disagree with me on this. <laughs> I don't see how uh uh you could get a person could get so mad from that. I was playing bad guy. That's what I was doing. I was playing bad guy wrestler. It was a role I was playing. I wasn't serious about it. I don't take things like that seriously. Like, I am a star. I'm from, you know, um, that was just a role I was playing. I didn't have quite a bone to pick, but I, I don't think this is, like, a good movie in the, like, conventional sense of, like, telling a story. I think they could have done like they have to do like way more with the relationships mm-hmm. to make this a movie. It's more of like like a reenactment documentary. Yeah. yeah. I was that's scared why we wouldn't have enough research because literally so much of the movie is just Jim beat for beat doing like performances and yes, like he says at the beginning, they were moved around, but it's just like Jim's best attempt at like Andy's greatest hits. Yeah, no, it's a weird, it's a documentary where it's like you're showing us everything we've seen and then some little background. And that's why it's even weirder when there's like is a documentary on the movie that is slightly a documentary. It gets too meta, but I guess that is Andy Kaufman and then your head explodes. This is what he would have wanted. It's true. (laughs) So let's say you had unfiltered access to everything about Andy Kaufman. You knew what his childhood was Oof, like. Sign you me knew, out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you knew what he was really like as a person. You knew like everything that happened. Uh, what would you focus on in the movie? 
I think for me, what it like confused me or like bothered me of the movie was that like he was performing poorly at nightclubs, not having an audience, and then he was on <laughs> SNL, and you're like, okay, and <laughs> yeah. now he's a national yeah. name. Cool, cool, cool. It's, they jump around so much. They, yeah, they, the parts of his life that are like years are like one scene. Um, I agree. I don't know. I think I would. Oof. <laughs> it's a tough question. I mean, it's like. Uh, like, I feel like it's the kind of thing how, like, whenever you're creating something like this, like, people make these decisions all the time. Like, we all have, like, every biopic or everything, everyone has, like, a full life and you have to pick a segment. Yeah. And you could really pick any one that has, like, a nice arc to it. But I do think that, like, there is a type of art that's just, like, creating the energy of something. And it's something that I really like, and I found that other people don't. Yeah. So I appreciate this movie for that reason, in that, like, I think it did create that world and put the watcher in a sense of like understanding this person as completely as you could yeah yeah i don't think they like failed you know i like the first time i watched this movie i loved it and i like wanted everyone to watch it because i was like everyone should be because you're just he's great like it's just like what is this human and that's why like it's so interesting and (laughs) yeah oh my god your head exploded again (laughs) (laughs) it's like such a good introduction to andy kaufman Mm -hmm. and i think watching him when even jim is him like is so entertaining whenever you like see a clip if i were to like try to make a good narrative movie i think I would just like start a little later, I guess, and focus on his relationship with Lynn and then his relationship with Bob and like Lawler and just like just show him more behind the scenes, planning these like crazy things out and talking about like how it was just about the reaction or how he really wanted to like see what it was like to be a villain, you know, like his mindset or like the planning of like getting a rise out of the crowd to me i think that andy kaufman himself is much more interesting than the relationships he had with other people um have any of you seen the movie inside lewin davis it's coen brothers film Mm -mm. no (gasps) sorry dude i'm a good jew i watch all the coen brothers (laughs) films um but inside lewin davis to give a brief recap is about a struggling folk singer in the early 60s and basically the entire movie is him trying to make it Mm -hmm. as a struggling folk singer and that would be the most interesting thing for me to see Mm. is Corey you were talking about like how they just jumped from him like doing the cow goes moo (laughs) and the chicken goes Um, like right to SNL um, they had like one like performance where he did Elvis Presley. Um, that was a good one. I'm I like sure one. it was a lot harder for Andy Kaufman, who was someone like so new to make it. And that's the most interesting thing that I would want to see. Yeah, I would. I agree. I don't think there was that much. I totally agree that I felt like that was missing. I don't think there was that much there. I think he did that stuff for like so for like a really long time. Like he did what he had thought up in his room as a child or what he had done Mm -hmm. for like uh, his friend's birthday parties. But was he struggling to pay the bills? Like what was his life like outside of those performances of him like going through these insane things that no one understood? Seems like Like he was going to the brothel. Yeah. (laughs) But like the Andy Kaufman living the normal life, like how he wakes up and like brushes teeth. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. But too. also, yeah. part of me is like, he didn't want us to know that. Because that doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, so it's like, this movie couldn't have had that, that. that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we don't have, like, I don't think we have that access. And, like, I think something that I was thinking while doing this research is he really controlled, like, every aspect of how people saw him. Mm-hmm. Would Andy Kaufman have had a Twitter? Impossible to know. Like, how would Andy Kaufman <laughs> do in a social media world? If they just brought in I that think, question. I think he would be very confined by a social media world because one way that a, a couple people talk about him is totally reliant on the element of the crowd is going to come and they're going to see something un- unexpected. And that's, at, at least at first, is what like made them laugh. Mm-hmm. So the second that they like see Laka... When people like know what La- like what Laka is like, 
then he's no longer funny. And that's part of the reason that Andy was okay kind of burying Latka in Taxi. Got it. Um, I think he would have been a good Vine star. I'll say it. Um, (laughs) Okay. If I were to write a film analysis thesis paper on Man on the Moon, I would focus, like, Andy Kaufman was all about the reactions, and thus this movie greatly showed reactions where literally half the shots in the movie were just like close-ups of people in the crowd going like oh (laughs) and that's the whole movie like there was so many audience reaction shots we must now go to a category hey dana did you cry at all in the entire process did you cry you don't have to make it up. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm trying to remember. I, I, I think that somewhere at the end I had a tear in my eye, but it did not fall. Of Man of on the Moon? Man on the Moon. Oh, of Jim. Man on the Moon. Jim and Andy, I had no tears in my eyes. Yeah. But Man on the Moon, I think near the end. Like when he's of, cancerous. Yeah, when he's cancerous. And oh, I think it may have been at the Carnegie Hall, at the very end of Carnegie Hall. And also when they re-brought up Carnegie Hall in Jim and Andy, that was also very emotional for me. Just because the idea of like putting on this like truly unbelievable. Oh yeah, it was when they got the the milk and cookies. I think I almost cried. Before I said, I I said that if you're all good, we're all going to go out for milk and cookies. Well, I've hired. Okay, now you've all been very good, really have. Okay, and um, I'd like to take you all out for milk and cookies now. So if you'll all please, in an orderly manner, there's 20 buses out waiting for you outside just like putting on this truly like unbelievable thing like at what's ostensibly like the end of your life and like having your childhood dream realized to that like fullest extent is just like holy fuck i'm gonna ruin it for you it's fake it's not fake um but the he did his carnegie hall performance five years before he was diagnosed that is correct and suck those tears back in it wasn't sad at all (laughs) (laughs) so it was like an incredible like extravagant performance and was like probably the pinnacle of andy's performing career but it was like four plus years before he was diagnosed like five years before he died well then that is emotionally manipulative and i'm mad (laughs) well they did warn you at the beginning Oh, yeah, that it's, like, all mixed up and um, fucking with me. Bye. A couple of things that were left out from the movie, from that performance. First of all, people said it was, like, the greatest Elvis impersonation of all time. He just, like, really went all out on mm-hmm. Elvis, and people were, like, crying. Um, the fake death was true. Wow. At the, be- at the beginning, he told people that his grandma was in the crowd. And at the end, he revealed that it was actually Robin Williams in playing his grandma. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Robin Williams played the grandma who dies on stage. No, Robin oh, okay. Williams played Andy Kaufman's grandma. Then another woman who was it was old. Mrs. Dalfire, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> another woman who was old faked her death Damn. on stage. Um, wow, that's freaking wild. Sasha Baron Cohen's done that. He's pretended to kill a person on stage at an award show. Jam. But that was to honor Charlie Chaplin, what not Andy Kaufman. Show? The Britannica? That's not an award show. Some British <laughs> awards. The Britannica Awards. He pretends like to like push this them. woman off the stage. The Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> Awards. <Yes. laughs> the best entries of 2017. Um, Letters a T to a T-A. <laughs> Apparently about 70% of the crowd had left when he decided to like take them to... Cookies? The, the milk and cookies. Um, and then when they were all at milk and cookies, he said, the show is continuing tomorrow at 1 p.m. on the Staten Island Ferry. So it had already gone on so long and he was just like, it's an, it's a whole nother day. Oh, wow. And he did it at 1 yeah. p.m. on the, Wow. I would like to go to that. Oh, my God. He's dead. That, <laughs> like, how much was a ticket? Staten Island is very free. (laughs) (laughs) Staten Island Ferry. That show seems truly, truly incredible. Like maybe one of the best pieces of performance that's ever been performed. Wow. Cool, cool. And I never would have known. All right, lightning round this bitch. (laughs) 
Here's uh, some lightning round facts. One of the two, I've already revealed one of them. One of the two straight up lies that I feel like the movie ta- uh, tells is it makes it seem like his family is skeptical that he got cancer mm-hmm. when in fact he had that cough that they alluded to mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. and his family was the people that pushed him to go to the doctor. Mm. Ah. <laughs> Another lightning round fact. Bob Zamuda and Andy Kaufman would do just like pranks, you know, for like like that weren't performances. They would go into like diners and stuff and Bob would like sit at someone's seat on purpose. And then this was just one prank that I read about. And then the person whose seat came back and was like, you're in my seat. And Bob pretended to feel so bad that he started crying. (laughs) And then you can't laugh. You hate pranks. And then, and then <laughs> Andy from like a booth, like far away, would be like, I can't believe a grown man is crying. <laughs> and they would get into a big fight. Oh, Eric Andre. Um, Wait, do I hate pranks or do I love pranks? You don't like the surprise. But you don't like being taken <sighs> advantage of. I don't like Nathan for you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's what it is. Bye, Nathan Fielder. Bye. But I you give pranks really... a bad name. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Very Dean. good. Um, Lightning round. Andy Kaufman once did the entirety of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> of course. In that makes se- sense. Do you know what setting? Like a At a performance. Club, yeah. That's that good. sounds right. And apparently people were so annoyed like in the 80s. And then some people just like left. And then like. By the 20s, they were, like, fucking loving it. They were like, you have to finish this. And then 14, he walked off stage. And he was like, I'm not going to do it. Uh. And they started, like, screaming, like, you have to do it. And then he came back and he finished it. And it was, Aww. like, a crazy oh. electric energy. He does was care. everyone singing along? Shall so. we do it to close this out? No. That is, that <laughs> I also wonder if the people that stayed for the entirety of The Great Gatsby reading just kind of like sleepily walked off at the end or if they were like pretty pumped that he reached I the think, finish. I think that movie portrayal and I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that movie portrayal was accurate in that the fact that people, most people left. Yeah. Andy at the end of high school was like his friend said he drank more and, and like uh-huh. did more drugs and like acid than any of his friends combined <laughs> and legend funny. oh i'm sorry <laughs> and drugs are not cool and all Dana. of all of his high school friends were like where is andy gonna go from this and meditation was the thing that oh, saved him and that's cool, cool. how he got into it and the rajneeshis and besides when he was <laughs> no <laughs> but maybe <laughs> besides <laughs> besides when he was tony clifton he like didn't really do any drugs or alcohol. He didn't do a lot mm. for the rest of his life. Lightning round. Bob Zamuda and Lynn wrote a book in 2014 yeah. called The Truth, Finally, and told everybody that Andy was alive and that he was going to like reemerge like that year. Well, he, they said what I saw was like, Andy made they were people like, so crazy. He Just was like, like Bob Zamuda. That's the most frustrating thing. He's dead. He, in this, in in the book, apparently they were like it was 2014 when it came out, and he was like, the upper. They, they said the upper limit on like his bit, I think, would be 30 years. So he'll probably be coming out sometime yeah, they, soon. They put it out 30 years later to like just say that. This is the 30 year mark. So he said 20 or 30. So this time I'm holding him to it. And this is for the first time that I'm actually admitting that, yes, he did fake his death. And I worked on it with him. But I got a question. Uh, yeah, go on. I got Absolutely. A question. How do we know this is just another always perpetrated by you who sell books? This is how I feel. I Corey's hate Andy Kaufman again. and Bobby Zuda. <laughs> Finally. Jim Carrey, you're also in that line. <laughs> Finally, the final Tony Clifton performance that they have in the movie. Mm-hmm was like a year after and the reason it like seems like such crazy energy is because literally just so many people didn't believe he was dead so that 
that performance was packed with people who just like assumed it was thought him. Andy Kaufman was going to come out that night and be like, I'm not dead, guys. I thought Damn. that was interesting. That's crazy. Okay, what did we want to sign off with? Cow goes moo. <laughs> and the bird goes tweet. tweet. <laughs> and the chicken goes cluck. <laughs> Do you believe? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been Loosely's Base. Loosely's Base. Lucy's Base. Loosely Based. Wait. I'm Corey. I'm Andy. I'm Jim. <laughs> And I'm Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. The theme music for this episode was made by Danny Kelleher. The podcast artwork was made by Caroline Mortensen. We are produced by Jacob Greenberg and Sam Kahn. And a big special thanks to Donald Whalen. If you enjoy Loosely Based, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. If you would like to advertise anything at all, suggest a movie, or just say hey, message one of the hosts or send an email to looselybasedpod at gmail.com. That is looselybasedpod at gmail.com. We'll be back next time talking about Remember the Titans. Thanks for listening, and see you then. The bird goes tweet, and the pig goes tweet, and the lion